And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We have been in a series called This Is Us. We kicked it off last week, and we've been taking a look at what God is leading us to in the future as a church. And uh, I, love, uh, I, I love what Lynn Cowell said. You know, she was making a comment. She's a speaker for Proverbs uh, 31 Ministries. And she made a statement that I think is pretty fitting uh, to where we are as a church. She said that sometimes God brings times of transition to create transformation. That sometimes God brings seasons of transition to create transformation. And I think that that kind of sums up where we are as a church, that we are in a season of transition. And what we've believed that God has laid upon our heart is this word transformation, that God wants our lives to be transformed, to become more and more like him. And so we've We've kind of set our new vision around this statement that says that we exist to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. The reason why we are here as a church is to, one, allow our lives to be transformed, but that God would use our lives then to transform the lives of those in our city, in our nation, in the world. And I want to uh, mention to this that uh, last week we gave uh, this booklet out that It's kind of like a 30,000 foot view as to where we're going as a church. It lays out uh, what our vision is. It lays out um, what transformation looks like, which that's what I'm going to be unpacking over the next four weeks. And then it lays out what our new core values are going to be as a church. And so uh, if for some reason, um, maybe you forgot uh, your booklet from last week, or maybe you didn't get a chance to, to be here last week, um, you can kind of discreetly slip your hand up. You know, we're not trying to draw attention to you or anything like that. But if you need one of these, the ushers are prepared to be able to get one to you. If you're watching with us uh, from home online, you can go to our website, evangelag.org. And on the homepage there is a little button that will allow you to be able to download uh, that brochure and to be able to take a look at it. Also want to mention that last week we gave away uh, Transform t-shirts as part of our new vision launch. And so if you weren't able to pick one of those up last week and you're here in person, you can stop by guest services on your way out and they'd be happy to get you a shirt. If we don't have your size, then we'll get those ordered for you. And if you're watching online, just shoot us a quick little email to mail at evangelag.org. That's mail at evangelag.org. And uh, let us know how many shirts you need and what sizes they are. And um, we'll make sure and get those to you here in the next few weeks. Well, before I go any further, I want to just make one kind of statement. It's more of a shout out. Um, and I want to I thank Uh, Pastor Wes. Wes was uh, the guy that came up and did the transition today, if you're new here. But Pastor Wes has been uh, leading our worship ministry for the last couple years. And I tell you what, I love Wes and Susan and their family. They are such 
amazing servants and followers of Christ. They've got such a heart uh, for God, a heart for the kingdom of God and for this church. And, and um, as we began this transition process, you know, spoke with Wes and, and was talking to him about what the future looks like for him and for our church. And, and he really felt called to be in kind of the secular world, being a light in a dark place. And, um, and we kind of had that conversation, and so he was a part of the search process uh, with us as we began to look for a new worship and media pastor, which we're so excited to have the Binions with us and joining us all the way from Texas. Um, but we're also so excited that Wes and Susan, they're not going anywhere, that they're hanging around, and uh, they're actually behind the scenes kind of ramping up for uh, Celebrate Recovery to get that up and, and going again. And so, uh, Wes and Susan, we love you guys. We're so thankful for, for all that you've done uh, over the last couple of years, just leading us into the presence of the Lord. Church family, would you help me give it up for Wes and for Susan? Thanks, guys. Well, let's prepare our hearts for God's word today. And as you may remember, we've been declaring this prayer together before we open up God's word. So if you would repeat this with me, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question for you. How many of you like theme parks? Anybody like going to theme parks? Uh, Andrew and I, um, early on in our marriage, we lived in the central Florida area. And so we got to go to a lot of the theme parks in that area. But um, several years ago, when the kids were a little smaller, we decided to take them to Disney in, uh, in Orlando. And that was an amazing day. Um, it was an expensive day, but it was an amazing day. But I learned something um, at that trip at Disney. I learned something that would make a huge kind of impact and it would be a light bulb moment in my life. You see, if you've ever been to a theme park, do you remember what it's like to try to navigate to get around a theme park, trying to get to a ride, but you have no idea where you're going, Right. That day with Disney being as big as it was, we found ourselves doing circles. We found ourselves trying to get to a ride and we would take a left turn and another left turn. And then the next thing we know, hey, we've seen this sign before, right? And you just end up kind of going in circles all over the place. And the reality is, is that our spiritual lives are a lot like that too, that if we don't have a good roadmap as to where we need to go in our lives and where God is trying to take us, then we end up spending our entire spiritual lives just kind of wandering around spiritually. Maybe you've been there before. I know that I've been there before where it feels like I've taken a left turn in life and another left turn in life and then I end up right here back all over again. I remember my father-in-law saying um, way back when we served underneath him, he, he, he said that life is like a car wash, that, that God will take us through a car wash in order to try to clean some things out of our lives. But if we get through the car wash and we still got dirt on the other side of the car wash, then he'll send us right back through. 
And some of us get stuck in that car wash of life, right? That we can't quite get victory or freedom over the things in our lives that God desires for us to get freedom in, that we can't quite get the victory that we need in our lives in order for him to move us to the next level. And so we find in life, especially spiritually, that we keep going through the same car wash over and over again. And so what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to share with you kind of the roadmap, what I call the transformational process of what God wants to do in all of our lives as we kind of yield to him and allow him to transform our lives in every way. This transformation process looks kind of like this. It's, kind of, it's, a, it's a circle with, with arrows. And, and I want to talk to you today about what knowing God looks like. But the transformation process is us knowing God, and then it's, it's then beginning to experience freedom in our lives to then discover our purpose and why God has us here, and then for us to make a difference in the lives of other people. Now, here's what's important to understand about this kind of cycle that or process that we go through is it's not check boxes. Like, it's not like we can say, okay, check, I know God, so I'm good there. I'm moving on to the next step. Now I'm going after finding freedom. And then at some point along the way, we feel like we have, have, have found freedom from some of the things in our past. And so we check that box off. No, it's not more of a checkbox as much as it is a process. God has each one of us going through this process of knowing Him, of finding freedom, of discovering our purpose, of making a difference. And and the more that we yield our lives to that process, then He moves us to an even greater level of knowing Him and even a greater dimension of finding freedom in our life and, and discovering why he's created us and making even a greater impact and difference in our life. And, and kind of the Bible term for this is sanctification. That it's this process that we all go through to become more and more like Christ. And so today I want to I unpack for just a few moments that first step in the process, the first step of knowing God. If you got your Bible or smartphone with you, uh, make your way to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And, and here in Philippians chapter 3, we see the Apostle Paul make a really profound statement. Like if I were to look through the entire Bible and, and, and pick a handful of verses that might be a motto for my life, this verse would be one of those. That we see the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says this, he says, I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul said that I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I mean, what a... What a powerful statement, just a few words written on a scroll, but what a powerful statement for us to take a look at and to understand as it relates to us knowing God. You know, if we dig a little bit deeper into this word know, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a different meaning in the original language than it is for all of us today. See, 
For us, when we look at the word know, we think of kind of intellectual knowledge or we think of this mental awareness. But in the original language, this word really implied a close and a personal experience. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the difference between me saying, I know Mike Norvell, you know, the football coach at FSU. It's like me saying, I know Mike Norvell, but I've never met him versus I know Mike Norvell and he's my best friend, right? There's a difference. And what biblically knowing God, that word knowing is, is not just that we're aware of who God is, but that we have this close and personal experience with him. When you look back in Bible days, this word was a Jewish idiom that, that was used in those days to discreetly talk about the relationship between a husband and a wife. And the reason why this word for us is so important today is because only God can know us at our deepest level spiritually like that. Like God is the one that has made us, that God is the only one that knows how he's designed us and what our purpose is for life. That he alone is the one that holds the book of our life and knows the numbers of our days. And that's why we can never find true fulfillment. That's why we can never find lasting joy apart from knowing him. And that's why we can't even begin to understand which step to take in, in life and which turn to take and what decision to make without us knowing him in this kind of way. Friend, knowing God in this kind of deep and meaningful way that it is the key to living a life that is transformed. I think of my relationship with Andrea and I think of our marriage. And, and when I think of us, the label of, of being married, that that, that that wasn't over the day that the ceremony was over. That being married in that relationship, it didn't end after year one, although there were some temptations to make it happen along the way. Can anybody say Amen. It didn't happen at the end of five years. It didn't happen at the end of 10 or, or 20 years of being married. You see, the marriage relationship that Andrea and I have, that it's this ongoing relationship, that it's a process of us continuing to know each other more and more, this process of us getting closer and closer and friend, when we know God in the way that Paul is describing here in Philippians chapter 3, that it's very much the same way. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't start going to church until I was almost 21 years old. But I've been around the block long enough to know this, that it's easy to be around the things of God and never be in the things of God. Let me say that again. It's easy for us to be around the things of God, exposed to the things of God, but never really be in the things of God. And church, that is a scary place to be. And the reason why that is so scary is because Jesus uses this same word, know, that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 3. He uses it in Matthew chapter 7, as a condition for us 
for eternal life. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and we're going to look through uh, 21 and 23. Jesus says this, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to I stop right there and I want to say this, that, that, that you need to buckle your seatbelt here for just a moment because it's going to get a little thick here, but we got to make sure, we got to make sure that we're looking at the words of Jesus and we're understanding his expectation on our lives as it relates to knowing God. And so Jesus makes a statement here that not everyone that, that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a problem for me. That's a problem when I hear Jesus making that kind of a strong statement because, because in our culture, in our society today, we've drifted into this 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 awareness of who God is by saying that we can receive eternal life just by sl uh, simply slipping a hand up at some point and praying a, a 10 second prayer and then all of a sudden everything's good. Like we can pray a little prayer, we can have kind of a, an emotional connection on a Sunday or have some experience with somebody and then and then what our culture says today is then we can go back living our own life and doing our own thing. That our life can go back being all about us and nothing else. And what Jesus is saying here is he's like, no, no, not exactly. Jesus says here in verse 21, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So Jesus is like, not everyone that's going to say, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven, but only the ones that do the will of my Father. Now this word do, and I don't want to, I don't want to get kind of over in all the, the language stuff and all that, but this word do is in the original language is a, a present tense verb, which means that when Jesus says those that do the will of my Father, he's not talking about just a one-time action. That this word does not mean that, that, that we just kind of one time do the will of the Father and we check the box off and we go back doing our own thing. But this word implies this ongoing doing the will of my Father. And so Jesus is saying here in, this, in these verses that it's not, it's not just the ones that, that pray a prayer, but it's the ones that are making my Father's business their business the one that's making my father's business their business in their life. And when I look at this word will and I think about what, what is God's will, well, I, I believe it's transformation. I believe that it is the process in our life where we become more and more like him. See, so oftentimes we, we get sucked into this trap that, 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 that it's more about doing things and it's more about kind of going through the rituals. It's more about checking off the list of, you know, I've gone to church a few times or I've, I've watched online this week. And, and listen, I, I fight the same gravitational pull that all of you fight. And that fight, that gravitational pull is to go through the motions with our relationship with the Lord. What Jesus is getting at here is that he's like, no, I, I want you to know me. Like it's more than just raising your hand and praying a prayer. 
And he says here in verse 22, and this is a little scary, he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. And in other words, he's saying there's going to be people that, 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 that get up there and they say, well, I went to church and and I sang some songs, and I read the Christian books, and, and I prayed the prayers, and, and I served on the worship team, and I was an usher, and I was a greeter. I worked in the kids' ministry, and, and Jesus is like, those aren't the things that my Father is looking for. And I think what really is disheartening to me is when you look at this word many in the original language, it implies majority. So Jesus, kind of in our, our language today, is saying that there's going to be like 51% of people who, when they get to heaven, they're going to say they know me, but they know me with a head knowledge, not with a heart knowledge. And I know that this is a heavy word, but, but I think it needs to be shared because I think in our culture today of following Christ that we've gotten so comfortable with God and thinking that, that He just lets anybody into heaven. It's what's called cheap grace, where we receive this grace from God over our lives, but we go on living our own life the way that we want to live it. And Jesus never gave us his grace in order for us to just keep living and keep doing the sin and the things in our life that we're constantly doing. The, the grace was designed to be a catalyst in our life that we would be so appreciative of all that God has done for us that we're willing to push back the things that so easily entangled us and tripped us up in our life and make Jesus our focus. Jesus is here in this moment and he's saying that that many that many on that day will show up in heaven basing their entry into heaven on all the wrong things and he says this he says that when that happens this is what they're going to hear that they're going to hear i never knew you away from me you evildoers They're going to hear that day, I never knew you. That word knew is the same word that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 3, not to describe a mental awareness of who God is, but to describe a relationship similar to the relationship of a, of a married couple that, that gets closer and closer, that they know each other more and more. And I think the reality for all of us to, to kind of come to grips with this morning is that yes, yes, we want to be a church that reaches our community. Yes, we want to be a church that reaches lost people. But before God can use us to transform a city, God's got to transform our lives. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online and, and you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, Ryan, I feel, like, I feel like my life might fall into that category. Like, like I've been doing some things for God and, and, I, and I, really, I really deep down want to live for God, but, 
but his business isn't my business. Like I raised my hand one day and I prayed a prayer, but then I went on living my own life and struggling with the same things now that I struggled with 10 years ago. Friend, God wants to take us on this transformational process where we know him and we find freedom and we discover our purpose and we make a difference and it's a process that we continually go through in our life. His desire for our life isn't that we raise our hand and pray a prayer one day and then we go back living our own way. Church, I believe, and listen, listen, for years, if you've been following Christ for a while, you've, you've heard this for years, people have been saying the Lord's coming back, but boy, this is, the, this is the first time that I've ever genuinely felt like, oh my gosh, we are in the last of the last days. That we're there, folks. I feel like we're getting so close. And the last thing that I want as your pastor is that you hear one day away from me, you evildoers. Like the last thing that I want as your pastor is that that's what you hear or that's what your kids hear or your grandkids or your great-grandkids or your friends or your neighbors or your coworkers. Church, the reason why we are here. The reason why Evangel was started 62 years ago was not for cute church services, but it was to reach a community that we as a body of Christ would yield our lives to the transformational process so that God can use us in a mighty way to see our community, our nation, and our world transformed for Christ. And the question is, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, have we gotten sucked into our comfort zone? Have we gotten stuck in, sucked into the, the status quo? Have we got kind of lulled to sleep as followers of Christ? Like, when you look at stats and you look at the fact that, that that only a third of Christ followers are even reading their Bible now. I think the question goes out to all of us that we've got to evaluate on our own is where are we? Like where are we in that transformational process? Nobody's saying we got to be perfect Nobody's saying that we got to get it right all the time, but are we allowing our lives to be transformed, to become more and more like Christ? Church, when you look at our community, over 150,000 people within just Tallahassee alone would be considered unreached people. When you look at our community, over 25,000 churchgoers would probably fall into that category of knowing God up here, but not knowing God here. The church, we need to be creating a place where, where people can know God and experience his back to life power. Like Jesus didn't die on a cross and raise again so that you and I can be struggling with the same things year after year after year, never finding freedom from it. That what if, 
Like what if there was a church that like Paul said, wanted to know God with all of their heart, not just their mind, and wanted to experience God's power, his miraculous power in our lives. Friend, when you look at Christianity and you look at America's perception of church, that it's reached an all-time low, that our country is drifting further and further away from God and further away from biblical morality, that you look at the millennial generation that is leaving the church in droves. 67% of 18 to 22-year-old millennials are leaving the church. When an entire generation has grown up in this digital age and elementary Kids are teaching their parents and grandparents how to use technology. Like when you, when you hear that, the prescription for that is not the same old, same old. It's not the church doing what the church has always done because what the church has always done is not working. When you look at the fact that 84% of churches all across America are plateauing or declining. Church, we can't afford to do the same old, same old and to play it safe anymore. Like we can't afford to get stuck in the past looking to days behind rather than looking to the future and what God has for us ahead. Church, I'm going to be a little raw here for a moment. If we're going to make a dent in this under 40 group, this millennial group who's leaving the church in droves, and church, we're going to have to invest in some things. We're going to have to allow our lives to be transformed, but then we're going to have to be about the Father's business, not our own. You know, as I walk around our campus and, and I go down into our youth room, I don't know if you've ever been in our youth room, but it is one of the darkest, most damp and smelly rooms that I've ever been in in my life. It's called the dungeon. What does that say to us as a church about our value for young people? We look at our kids' area and our, our nursery and our preschool. It looks amazing, but our elementary age area, church, it hasn't been updated since before smartphones came out. Church, in today's age, technology is the language of millennials. Look at that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I just tease and no pressure. I've had that happen to me when I'm preaching before. It is the language of millennials. And I want to, I'm going to be a little raw here for a second, as I mentioned, but Church, we're, we're like way behind. 
Church, we're using standard definition 4-3 cameras. Now, all the millennials in the, in the room are like, really? Like our lighting, our sound system, all these things are so old and antiquated. They're, this team has done amazing to try to constantly band-aid things together. You know, in November, in November, we only had one out of the five Sunday services make it to, to Facebook Live because we were having issues with, with equipment. Church, we can't, we can't stay there. Like we, we run the risk of becoming totally irrelevant to the generation that's leaving the church in droves if we don't do something in the next five to 10 years. Church, there's a calling on our life to know God, but there's a calling on our church to help people know God. I had lunch with a pastor this, this past week and their church is way smaller than ours. Their annual budget is about a twelfth of what ours is. And he was shocked at the presentation of the gospel that we're giving through technology online as a church. He thought we'd be way beyond where we're at now. Church, I bet we are probably one of the only churches in Tallahassee right now that's live streaming in standard definition 4-3. There's a shift. There's a shift that needs to happen our church yes we are in a time of transition but like we said before that a season of transition oftentimes leads to transformation I believe that God wants to use our church in a mighty mighty way I think his plans for our church I love that verse exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But it all boils down to this one idea. Will we be about our business or the Father's business? In these last days, will we coast our way into heaven? Or we will, will we bring as many people as we can along with us? That we, will we be a church? It's willing to be uncomfortable. Will we be a church that's willing to sacrifice a few things? I mean, God sacrificed His Son for us. And how oftentimes are we so resistant to sacrifice anything for Him? And I'm not asking for money. That's not what today... So if you're new here, you chill, you relax. I'm not asking for money. I'm asking for your heart. I'm asking that you will see with your eyes what God sees for our church. The finances will come as long as we see. Will you see?
a church full of people willing to be transformed so that God can use us to reach a generation that is leaving the church in droves. Friend, our society is where it is. I am so off my notes right now, but that's all right. Our society is where it is. We can complain all we want about behaviors. We can complain all we want about being confused how Christ followers can have, you know, certain beliefs and stuff that seems so contrary to the Word of God. Listen, that, I mean, if we're going to be real, that happened on our watch. That happened because we got a little bit too stuck in our ways, in our own business. But people started looking elsewhere. If we want our country to stand on biblical morals again, if we want to see our young people know God and experience this from death to life experience that God has for their life, it starts with us. It starts with a few people that are willing to make our business His business to yield our lives to the leading of the Holy Spirit for us first, for others second. For us to be willing to sacrifice a little because He sacrificed so much. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? Father, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for allowing our relationship with You to become a head thing, not a heart thing. A friend, if you're watching today or listening on the podcast and you say, Ryan, my heart is just... I'm concerned that I fall in that category of many, that I've just drifted from the Lord. That I've allowed... COVID, I've allowed 2020, I've allowed it to disrupt my life in such a way that I've pulled back and my life's not really focused on the things of God anymore and I don't want that. Friend, if that's you, right there where you are, maybe you're here in this place, maybe you're you're in your living room watching, just say this, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for living life my way. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart anew and afresh. Lord, today I surrender my life to you. Lord, I don't just want eternity with you. Lord, I want to experience all that you have for me on this earth while I'm here. So Father, I yield my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know this, that that prayer isn't the finish line for your faith. It's the starting line. Don't pray a prayer and then go back living your life your way. But let us connect with you.
If you're here in the service today, our prayer team's gonna be up front after the service and let them know and they'd love a chance to connect. If, if you're at home, shoot us an email at mail at evangelag.org, mail at evangelag.org. Let us know that you made that decision today and let us follow up with you and, and give you some encouragement this week. Lord, my heart and my prayer is that we be the church that you've called us to be. Lord, allow us to yield ourselves to you, to know you, so that we can be a church that helps others know you as well. In Jesus' name. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.